Hello and welcome to the Royal College of Speech and Language Therapists news podcast for June 2021. I'm Vicky and I'll be chatting with Derek Munn, the RCSLT's Director of Policy and Public Affairs, for our monthly catch-up. I just wanted to take this opportunity to say that the RCSLT podcasts have now had over 13,000 downloads, which is fantastic news and thank you all for listening. And remember that you can listen via all major podcast apps, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Podchaser, and many more. Hello, Derek. Good morning. I thought it might be good to start with our Build Back Better piece of work. I wonder if you can tell me more about the SLT Build Back Better campaign and the petition that has also been launched, please. Yeah, thank you, Vicky. Yes, just to mention that um, regular listeners will know about the big service user survey we did over the winter, which continues to inform a lot of our work going forward. You may also recall that 83 national organisations co-signed a letter to the Prime Minister about the importance of speech and language. We now have a petition on the Parliament website, which has been put down by Gillian Rudd, a member from the West Midlands. We'll circulate the link with this podcast if that can be done, but it would be really, really helpful if listeners could consider just signing this petition on the Parliament website When we get to a certain number of signatures, it means we can trigger a parliamentary debate. And that would be really helpful as the next phase of our influencing work. Wonderful. Thanks. And of course, I will put a link in with this podcast uh, and share it widely. Thank you. Okay. another really big piece of work the RCSLT is doing at the moment is working on developing a new five year vision. Um, Can you tell us more about how that's coming together and who's involved, please? Uh, Certainly. I'll try and convince you that strategic plans are are not dull, but are fascinating. Like all organisations, the Royal College has a strategic plan, um, which is partly about the organisation, but also inevitably talks about the future of the profession as well. And it was due to end in 2021. So the judgment we made last year was that it was not the time in the midst of the COVID-19 lockdown to work out what was going to be happening in three years' time. And the Board of Trustees are still of the view that the future world is so uncertain that what we need to do is have a vision, a framework for the next five years, both for the Royal College as an organisation and the speech and language therapy profession. And within that five-year vision, we'll do our, our planning as we go along. So we're spending most of this calendar year, 2021, developing that new vision. The first phase, which we've been engaged in since about Easter, is just horizon scanning, really, just getting a feel for the issues that are out there, what we think the world might be like in in 2027 and beyond. Um, That's been mainly done with different groups of members. Some of you may have been involved either through board committees, through SENS, through hubs, through research networks, through some of the diversity groups. We've had a whole range of member consultations, um, and there are some all-member meetings coming up as well, which you can you can take part in. Once the Board of Trustees have taken a look at that in July, we'll then draft the vision and strategy for the next five years, and we'll be going back out to all of the member networks and groups in the autumn. That's enough about process. What's interesting in terms of the issues come through is the mixture. Some are the similar to ones that we did. We, we look back at for 10 years ago, for example, And 10 years ago, we said we really need to get not just more speech and language therapists, that's too simple, but the workforce to have the right shape, 
people with the right bandings in the right place access to the right specialism. And that remains the case. People also said it would be so helpful if there was proper recognition and awareness of what speech and language therapists do and the role that we play. And that's, that's an eternal problem that we work with. Now, people have always been concerned about diversity in the profession. I guess what's interesting now is that we are much stronger in terms of having an action plan on where we're going on diversity. But one thing I found interesting coming through the member conversations was a focus on disability. Disability within the profession, what does it mean to be a speech and language therapist who identifies as disabled? And that's a fascinating chat. Telehealth, of course, and remote working is the big new one which has come through and which touches on every area, really, of, of working practice. Um, we also, just yesterday, as we record, did a big service user consultation event and 50 national charities, 50 organisations joined us. That's how keen people out there who work with service users are to talk about speech and language therapy. Brilliant session. Some of it was confirmatory. Some of it was around access and equity in getting to speech and language therapy. There were lots of conditions and symptoms in some cases that may be stigmatised, that people wanted to work with us on awareness of those needs. One thing that's come through which is interesting to me is I've talked a lot, for example, about the future of genetic therapy and what that might mean. Something that's come through now is around AI, around artificial intelligence, and what's going to happen in the years ahead in terms of AI taking over some of the interventions that were previously done by speech and language therapists as a person. So that's a fascinating new one. So really interesting. Please do get involved. Uh, that sounds fabulous. And um, where can people find out more? Is there a link on our site? Yes, yes, there, there are links on the website. OK, I'll make sure I include those with the podcast then. Thank you, Derek. OK, um, last time we spoke, uh, there'd just been elections in Scotland and Wales. Is there anything to report about how the RCLT is responding to those, please? Well, it's, you know, after every national election, including the ones in Wales and Scotland, you've got a whole bunch of new ministers, you've got a whole bunch of new members of parliament, and you have to build those relationships anew with people in those new roles. So that's being done. We're, we're contacting and meeting with relevant politicians in Wales and Scotland. The issues arising from the election manifestos, regular listeners will know, include inclusive communication in Scotland, include rehab, particularly in Scotland, in Wales, particularly around workforce numbers. But it's also worth saying that post-COVID issues continue with the new parliaments and governments, for example, around long COVID, for example, around um, PPE and transparent face masks. And there's a, a wealth and Scottish dimension to both of those, which continues to Thank you, Derek. Back in November, so just over six months ago, we launched the Communication Access Project uh, and e-learning, which is uh, free online learning in accessible communication developed by the RCSLT and many partner organisations. I wondered, how's, how's the rollout going, please, Derek? The, the short answer, Vicky, is it's going very well. So six months in, we now have over 3,000 participants in the scheme. Now, that's a mixture of individuals and organisations, but the organisation count is many, many hundreds that have signed up to be part of it. And of course, in some cases, there's a future commitment to train many thousands more people within that. 
it struck me that launching during lockdown means that there will be less face-to-face service provision going on in some of the organizations and companies that have signed up. But we're pleased with the range. We're pleased with private sector engagement. We're pleased the conversations we've had with the NHS around it. So it's going really well. We need to maintain that now. So we need to continue to get more people and organizations on board for the scheme build awareness of the brand so people get used to seeing the blue symbol and what it means. And that'll take a while to reach a critical mass. We know that. Um, But also keep people on board, because if people did their communication access training last December and they haven't yet had much opportunity to interact with people in practice, we'll need to find ways of keeping people fresh and engaged. So going very well, but lots more work to do. And again, I will include a link to that free training because that's really valuable for people. Great, thank you. And final question, I guess, is uh, what other issues are hot right now? Uh, In terms of what's taking up a lot of the team's time, two issues which kind of link. I mean, NHS reform in England is going to dominate all of our lives. We are working now with the civil servants responsible for the NHS bill. It's due to be introduced in the next few weeks. There's some chat that it should have been introduced already. Um, But these are strange times in government, as we know. We're working with a coalition of children's organisations around getting children right in the new NHS structures. We're working with the Rehabilitation Alliance, and we're also working with the allied health professions jointly about the positioning of AHPs in the new structures. It will go through parliamentary process probably in the autumn, It could get implemented next year, maybe the year after. Obviously, we're aware that integrated care systems are already developing on the ground and they're becoming a bigger part of um, leading members' lives right now. The change from CCGs to ICSs and the new alphabet soup, my feeling is it's not going to be as radical a change as might have been billed. Um, I think from what I'm hearing so far, there will be a bit of, shuffling deck chairs going on, which is disappointing. If so, it'll be a a lack of vision and a missed opportunity, in my view. But let's see where we go. The second area I wanted to mention is future modelling of the workforce, which always goes on. But we're in discussion with Higher Education England right now and counterparts in other nations to try and tease out in a bit more detail what future demand might be. And, And anyone who's done it will know this is incredibly complex because In the mix, we've got services which we've always done, you know, whether that's the stroke pathway or whether that's community paediatrics or, you know, the big big services in terms of numbers of SLTs. What what was already the pressure on that? What more could we have done with already? But then you've got the pandemic recovery. You've got the backlog of waiting lists and waiting times. How much more capacity do you need to deal with that? Then you've got the various specialist things, the national specialisms, the low incidence, high need conditions. Again, what would good look like if they were being properly commissioned for in every part of England? Um, And then you've got the new areas, the areas which haven't traditionally been commissioned for, but which we know we could make a contribution. More in justice, more in mental health, more in dementia. And of course, putting precise numbers of future speech and language therapists against all of these settings. It's a tricky science, but we're we're engaged in all that exercise right now. 
The last thing I would just say for those of you who take an interest in our international work is that this week is the United Nations Disability Conference in, well, it's virtual, but based out of New York. And as part of the International Communication Project, um, I've been able to take part in a couple of sessions. And actually, I was called to speak yesterday in the session at the United Nations on education and disability post-COVID. But even more, and I was able to raise digital poverty and digital exclusion and the gap between those who do and don't have access to technology in a global context. I was particularly pleased, though, that um, Abid Ahmed, who some people may know as a stammer teacher, a very strong disfluency advocate, a master teacher who himself is a person with stammer, he gave a very eloquent exposition of the challenges facing people with communication disability in the education context. So it was great to have under the banner of the Royal College at the United Nations, a person with lived experience leading the charge for us. Okay, great, thank you. Well, I guess it's goodbye for now and we'll meet again next month. Thank you, Derek. I look forward to it. <laughs>